new family. Um, there's this space where if you are in it long enough, something in us should start to ache for the fact that there are many people who are not experiencing this new relationship with the Father and this new family. And so we have this mission to, to help men and women come to experience this Father and this family. Um, and so in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, this is after Jesus is resurrected. Um, it's kind of like the Great Commission part 2. Uh, but in Acts, Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. So post-death, post-resurrection, pre-ascension into heaven. And the last things he says to his followers um, is this. He says, but you will receive power. The Greek word dunamis, power to do something. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses a witness, if you think about witness in a court of law, um, I have been a witness in a trial before. And uh, it, was, it was a little nerve-wracking, a little wild. And what you do as a witness is, is you say, I'm just telling you what I know about what happened. I'm testifying to the facts that I had based on, the, you know, tied to the situation. Um, and and with, with, with Jesus as witnesses, we go, I'm just telling you what Jesus did in my life. It's kind of like um, when, when Jesus heals the man who was born blind in John 5. Our church is reading through John right now. Um, and, and, and they say, hey, um, is this man a sinner? What's his deal? And he says, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. What I do know is that I was blind and now I can see. And that's what it's like in, in, in our world. We're testifying. Here's what Jesus has done in my life. That's what Kimmy just did, talking through her journey, um, experiencing family not as it should be, but then Jesus giving her the, a family that was more than she could ask or imagine. I, I know I, ha- I was this, and I was, I was so insecure, and now I am humbly confident. I thought um, work defined me. I thought um, whatever defined me, and I realized that Jesus defines me. I thought pleasure was in this, but now I find it in this. Whatever it is, because of Jesus. So, so we go and share our story. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he says Jerusalem, that's the city that they're in at the time. Uh, Judea is a broader um, uh, a broader area uh, around Jerusalem, kind of the province Jerusalem was in. Um, Samaria, which is nearby, but a different culture. And then to the ends of the earth, which is why we're still talking about Jesus in Durban, South Africa, and San Diego, California, 2,000 years later, as people committed themselves to be witnesses, said, here's what Jesus has done in my life. And there is an unbroken chain that goes back two millennia, which is wild. What organization do you know that's lasted 2,000 years? Right? And, and against all odds in so many ways, no money, no power. And it was just people sharing their Jesus story and helping people enter into the family of God. So the idea is, is this is our mission, is to testify to who Jesus is, to help men and women believe in him, to follow him, um, to enter his family, to become like him. So what I wanted to do today is um, I wanted to um, have just two moments on this idea of mission. And I want to talk about one, I want, to, I want someone to share their story around um, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. So just normal Jesus follower doing normal things and seeing God do extraordinary stuff in a local context and then kind of a regional context. And then from there, talk about um, some work that's happening to the ends of the earth through um, the Restored Family of Churches and also Harbor City helping us with that um, recently. So uh, to chat through Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, I want to invite up um, Abigail Datwin, or Ugalde, sorry, sorry. Um, is it just your brother? Or do you also pretend to be people? No. Okay. Faye, Faye's been here before too. So you're like, I'm, I'm Faye Gutierrez, so another uh, Filipino gal worship leader. So, um, yeah. Um, you're going to help lead worship tomorrow, yeah? I think 
Okay, dude, big, big weekend for you. Okay, uh, so Abigail, in 2015, uh, you had recently joined the Restored South Bay launch team led by Danny, who just preached, and uh, um, it was your first time in a church plant setting. Um, as you jumped into uh, onto this launch team, um, what did Jesus um, begin to do in your life at Restored South Bay? Um, what were one or two things you personally experienced at Restored South Bay? Hi, everyone. It was funny. I was talking to Eugene, actually, because he'll, he'll be sharing in a bit. And I was like, Eugene, just don't be nervous. You're just talking to family. So now I need to hear that. <laughs> I'm just talking to family, right? Okay, cool. We're just having a conversation. What was it? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so um, in answering that question, two things popped up for me. Um, one was just this idea. Danny totally unpacked everything that I struggled with personally. And the first thing is um, really understanding what it means to be fully known and loved. Um, the second thing was this idea of church as a family I really struggled with. Um, a little bit about me, and I'm going to keep it really short, but I just, I grew up um, my earliest memory is my dad leaving our family, talking about this idea of fatherlessness. God totally redeemed and is still redeeming that story. And that's another story for another time. But, um, yeah, that's my earliest memory. Um, I remember making a pact with my siblings when we were really young that we would just rely on each other. Um, so family came first. Um, you put your family before everything. Um, trust is huge. Loyalty is huge. Um, so that's how I felt and about family and how I define family. My mom worked hard as a single mom practically, um, to raise us. And so to me, she was a superhero. Um, so that was my idea of family. And in terms of church, um, I was, I grew up in a, in a Christian home, didn't make that decision personally for myself until I was 11. And I learned really quickly at 11 years old that church was a place where you come and you learn about Jesus, but being that young and being vulnerable about your life um, was really difficult. Um, a lot of things that I would share turned really quickly into gossip. And so, um, yeah, I would come and I would learn about Jesus, but I, I learned that you only share to a certain extent and you're known to a certain extent. Um, so that kind of continued on, um, went to college and towards the end of my senior year, the plan was that I would go to UCSD, I would graduate, and then I would come back and take care of my mom. And to me, it was an honor. Like I was stoked about that. And at that time I got plugged in into a larger church. I was in the young adults ministry and Danny was starting to talk about yeah, I was coming in and Danny was getting ready to leave. And I was like, okay. Um, and he really started to talk about the gospel. And we always talk about the gospel. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's Sunday school. Like, I've heard about the gospel. Yes, Jesus loves me. But I'd never really heard about his grace in that way. I never really heard this idea of that, yeah, we are so sinful that Jesus had to die and yet so loved that he was glad to do it. And really like this idea of being at rest that like, I don't have to earn God's love. I'm proved. Um, so when I started to hear that towards the end, Danny started to talk and he was like, I, I'm going to actually plant this church in South Bay. 
And he was like, and I want to challenge you all to pray about that and like, see if that's where God's calling you to go. And I remember wrestling with that. I was supposed to go study abroad. I was supposed to go be with my family and literally I couldn't sleep. And this church plant just was on my heart. Long story short, I come home to what I think is a um, graduation party. And it is like everyone's celebrating and they're like, you're here, you're finally here. And I soon realized that it was a welcome home party. And my family was like, oh my gosh, we're so excited that you're finally home and you're here with us. And they throw me the mic and they're like, speech, speech, speech. Tell us about your plans to move back to LA and to the Valley. And and I was just standing there. And this was also JR, who's now my husband, his first introduction to my family. So he's standing there and I'm like, uh, actually, I'm not coming home. And there's this church plant. Um, they're like, I could see my family's face. And they were just teary-eyed. My mom was upset. I was like, God's really done a work in my life. Um, I really believe that because of me seeing him as a good father and because what he's doing and I've seen the way he's provided for us that I'm called to be a part of this plant. One by one, my family is just like, starts to cry. They look at JR. They're like, he's basically the reason. Yeah, it's his fault. That's all they heard. Um, so anyway, in answering that first question, I think, yeah, that's where I was at. It was a really difficult time to be a part of um, planning this church. And also because of just that idea that family comes first, right? Um, and, and yet there was this other family that God was bringing me into and teaching me about. Um, yeah, and so that was a struggle. And what did Jesus do in your own heart when you were in that family? Like, what did he start to do in you? Yeah. So in the vulnerability part, this is where I will be vulnerable with you all. Um, I struggled for a long time with sexual purity. Um, I was exposed to pornography at a young age. And when you're that young, you like, you just don't know what you're even seeing. Um, I learned to, I remember my pastor saying to me, I shared my testimony and I was like, I killed it, I think. And he looks at me and he like had mixed emotions on his face. And he was like, Abigail, I'm so proud of you. But at the same time to know that you were going through those things and I had no idea breaks my heart. He was like, I really think that you suffer in silence. And that pierced me, but I didn't know what to do with that. Because again, I never saw confession modeled at the pulpit. I never saw what repentance looked like and to really be known in a community. So I didn't feel safe. Um, So for many years, that stayed with me. And entering, coming into this restored family um, and not being known was really fun. Because I was like, man, this is a really cool community. Like, I've never heard pastors confess this much on stage about their own sin. And yet making so much of Jesus and his glory and his goodness. Um, But then the whole part of being known was completely uncomfortable. Uh, My introduction to understanding what church is as a family was hard. Um, I remember my first conversation confessing sin to Andy. (laughs) And yeah, it was hard. I was like, I got to move where tonight? Like, what does it look like to repent? I have no idea. It was a lot. And then I remembered conversations with Danny, with Tom, countless conversations in living rooms, like really working out what it looks like and what purity looks like and how what Jesus did on the cross, like 
has to do with like Jesus purchasing my body and what that has to do with anything. Um, yeah, so for me, I feel like that was one of the things that really where God was really helping me come out of hiding in terms of sin, um, really teaching me that there's freedom to be had, getting to the point of it not being so much about people's trustworthiness. I felt like that was a big thing where it was like, man, like, how am I supposed to trust you if I don't know you? Um, and then God was like, well, Abigail, are you trustworthy? And that was hard. I was like, dang, like, he's like, what if was my love dictated by your trustworthiness? And it really forced me to see family in a different way where it was like, man, are you going to believe my word about what I say as family? Or is your, are, are your feelings going to be God? And I remember having to come to a place where I was like, man, like, God, okay, like, this is what you say. Like, I want you to be God in my life. So I just started taking risks and really allowing myself to be known in this family and experiencing, like, God's grace pursuing me, his love pursuing me, freedom. Yeah. So, so in exposing yourself a little bit, kind of Genesis idea, in being exposed and being loved at the same time, that does something in us, right? That causes us to just feel Jesus' love when you're aware that you deserve it less, but you have it. It just is something in you, right? Like you just feel that weight of that love. Um, and as that's going on, it's messy, but it's enough for you to go, hey, I want this for other people in my life. And we know that, uh, and you mentioned that your siblings are kind of your closest crew. You guys make this pact as kids, this intense thing. And uh, we know that your brother Ryan got connected to Restored LA about a year later after this. Uh, South Bay and LA started almost the exact same time and ruined my life as Danny and Brad both left me at once. Both those guys preaching, dude. I had all those guys in one church, dude. It was just amazing. Um, and Tom, he went with Danny. So it's just a lot of loss for me. But it's fine. It's not about me. Um, but about a year later, Restored LA uh, gets planted. And uh, so, again, some of you guys from Harbor City know Ryan Dachwin uh, or Danny Kimlot, depending on what day you met him, uh, from Restored LA. And so he got connected with Restored LA. So I just want to ask you, how did that happen? Um, what were you feeling towards your brother at the time? How did you encourage him uh, to get involved at Restored LA? You can tell me if I forget something, but yeah. Um, okay. Um, so as I was thinking about my brother's journey, I got really emotional because God is so faithful and he continues to remind me of his faithfulness. I was a little girl. I took the Bible really literally when I read the Bible. So when I read about people marching around, you know, the walls of Jericho and them coming down, I was like, every Wednesday, we're going to march. The walls of Jericho are coming down. And we would like pray over our household and we'd be like, not this generation, like walls come down. And I remember my brother would be out, like whether it was like parting or whatever. And I would go into his room and I would lay my hands. Ooh, Jesus. I would lay my hands on his pillow and I would pray. Like I would just pray that my, my brother would know like who God is. Um, yeah. That God would rescue him from himself, that um, that he would be the man that God has called him to be, despite what type of father he's experienced. Um, yeah. So it's so cool what God does. Yeah. Um, yeah, to come to L.A. Yeah, you're like, bring it back. Um, <laughs> I'll let you cry for a moment. Bring it, Christian 3. Okay. Um, okay, here we go. So here, yeah, 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 here we go. So, 
since my brother and I are basically best friends, like, right, like, we've all experienced what it's like to still battle with the flesh. So my brother had made that decision um, to know Jesus for himself, but still was like, living the life, you know, like working at a celebrity gym, like involved in just, yeah, shenanigans, like we all have been. And, um, but yeah, I started to talk to him about my journey with Restored. I remember the, one of the biggest things was like Gail, like he, so he calls me Gail. My family calls me Gail, but, um, he was just like, I really don't understand what why is this church plant so worth it to you that you would choose this church plant like over your family? And I remember having a conversation with him where I just was like, Kuya, I call him Kuya. We all know Filipino, yeah, vernacular. Yeah, yeah, for older brother. But I was like, Kuya, I just want to know like when's the last time like you actually just prayed for me and not necessarily like, um, I know you're sad. I know you're feeling those things, but can you just pray for me and like what God's doing in my heart and my life? And he felt, and he was like, you know what? You're right. I haven't been praying for you. I haven't been praying for the church plant. Long story short, God convicted his heart and he was just like, you know what? Instead of me judging you for all those things, like God's actually having, encouraging me to come and and like see what God's doing in your life. So he started to get to know JR. He started to come to Restored South Bay. I talked to my brother the other day. He was like, man, like, I really just want our pastors and our families to know, like, that it really was this family of churches. Like, I told Tom the other day, but I don't think Brad, Andy, Danny, Tom, that you will ever really fully know, like, the impact that you've made on our family. Like the Datuans, the Kings, the LaRues, the Ugaldis. Um, those are all my brothers and sisters, by the way. <laughs> You're like, who are, what? Who are they? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But anyway, question two. He came to know what was going on just by an organic relationship and him being a part of everything. He really was mistrusting of church because of where we came from. Came to know Brad. I remember my brother, like the whole, yes, yes, that's right. So actually it was a week before I talked to Brad, he preached at South, uh, restored South Bay. And I was like, Brad, when you drive in the Valley, I don't know if you remember this. I was like, Brad, when you go back home, does your heart ever break? Like for where we grew up? And he was like, yeah, actually it, it does. And I was like, do you think that you'd ever plant there? And he was like, you know what? I felt that before. Um, but it was actually recently where I woke up and I was like, God, if you wanted me to do that, yeah, I'd go. And I was like, okay. Little did I know that the following week he was going to announce that he was planning Restored LA. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, so he plants there and I am encouraging my brother. I'm like, hey, bro, like, and also at the same time, like God's been just pursuing my brother's heart. He was like seeing the way that I was going through conflict with my family. He was seeing like my relationship with JR. Like he was seeing, um, like understanding what gospel and grace is. So he was like craving like that type of authentic community in LA. And I remember texting Brad one time because my brother was like, I don't know. And I'm just, I'm going to call it and put it out there. Trusting these white male leaders was really hard in terms of just race and like really trying to understand like how are these people going to understand me? What does the gospel have to do? 
And we would have those conversations. I'd be like, man, at the foot of the cross, Kuya, like you and I, like all of us, we're equal. We're all equally sinful and in need of a savior and saved by his grace. And that, that's how that demolishes race, ethnic backgrounds, like whatever it is. Like, and I was like, and just get to know him, you know? Um, and so, yeah. Um, yeah, connected. All right, and then last, uh, last, I think we could all mesmerize Abigail. Uh, we could listen all day, but for the sake of time, we gotta, we gotta cut. But, uh, question three, um, just is, is what was the fruit of Ryan getting involved at Restored LA? Um, what happened in his life? And then what started to happen in the lives of those around him? Uh, some people that other people might know, um, as he experiences, uh, Jesus through Restored LA, what starts to happen in his life and in the lives of just other people, his friends, family, all that stuff. So some of you have already heard Paolo, Jill, and my brother's um, story. So I'll tell you some parts you didn't know. And that's, <laughs> so, um, man, constant conversations with my brother. And at first it was just, I'm used to that with me, but then also now involving, like, my fiancé and my now husband. But, like, he would talk to us. So he, I remember the first time he was like, hey, um, Paolo, Jill, like, we're going to move in together. He was all excited, and I was like, hold up. Like, Jared and I were like, you're going to move in with Jill too? And he was like, yeah, yeah, we're all going to move in together. I was like, bro, I think that you're attracted to her. I don't know if that's the wisest thing to do because eventually you're going to have to move out. And, like, I don't know what the interactions are going to be like in the kitchen. Like, I don't know. And I'm like, Jill's don't think it's the wisest thing to do. He's like, I'll take that in consideration. Next thing you know, he's like, we're moving in. So they move in and eventually he has to move out and, and like, and like pursue her properly. Anyway, there would be countless conversations. Like he'd be, cause they lived together. He'd be in his master bedroom and he'd be like, I'm in the master bedroom closet and I need your advice with Jill. Cause I don't know, I'm starting to catch feelings. And I'm like, bro, like, anyway, long story short. <laughs> yeah. Spiritually, here's the deal. It's all connected. Um, countless conversations, walking him through it, like him asking us to like, how do I love Paolo? Like, how do I love him? Well, like, what does that look like? Um, how do I pursue this woman? Like, um, and those types of like organic discipleship conversations, like in that, like I got to see, it's crazy. Like the first time that Danny preached at Restored LA was about family. And that was a catalyst. If you know Paolo's story to like them really understanding like their own family wounds, wounds, but like also understanding the family of God. And so my brother got to baptize Paolo and Jill. And then not only that, but you guys, like, again, like Jesus kept telling me like, Hey, Abigail, like, you don't have to go and save your whole family. Let me do that. By sending Restored LA, there's been countless stories of, like, my sister. So my sister moved from Hawaii. She also now goes to Restored LA. Um, my younger sister and her husband are a part of, like, Restored LA. Um, my younger cousin got baptized at Restored LA. Her boyfriend came to know Jesus through Restored. Like, I say all this to say that that was the fruit and, like, it's still even being played out. Um, whether it's the Johnses, whether it's the, you know, Apollo and Lisa, like, people have really loved on my family so well. And God has pursued them um, through all of them. So answer the fruit question. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. 
And so ultimately, I mean, as you invite Ryan in, we see Ryan come to know Jesus. We see Jill come to know Jesus. She got two grooms, dude. She got, you know, Ryan and Jesus. Uh, we got Paolo. Paolo comes to know Jesus through this whole thing. Um, uh, your sister starts walking with Jesus in a new way. Your family starts to jump in. Someone else gets baptized. All stuff happens. And ultimately, what I love about this story is that you don't necessarily have the gift of evangelism. Um, and, uh, it wasn't like an evangelism training you went to or like a new evangelism program that got this mission going. It was you seeing your brother with, even as you're about to cry, with eyes of compassion. That when you look through, there's a book called Love Walked Among Us by Paul Miller that we recommend just everyone reads. Uh, you should just read it. Um, but he, but he has a whole chapter just on how Jesus sees people. Uh, it says the most frequent emotion attributed to Jesus was compassion. That he would see, and he says, um, compassion without action um, it's just weak. It's sentimentalism. Um, and action without um, uh, compassion, uh, is, it can just be kind of like cold-hearted and stuff. And that, that she saw her brother in a space and then invited in, him into something. Took a small step, inviting him to church, uh, to be part of a church. Uh, it wasn't this, which, which birthed out of an organic relationship of a person who was already in her life. So it's like she went to go find someone to share the gospel with and then did a training, did a training that had to find someone, um, someone, you know, this was a normal, imperfect follower of Jesus um, that led to a whole bunch of people coming to know Jesus. And uh, I was in um, the Dubai airports and we met up, um, uh, we ended up going to dinner and there was a couple there. Um, we're from Pretoria, South Africa. Um, Jeff and Jane Kirsten, some of you guys know them, uh, 3CI in Pretoria. And I had, we had dinner with them in Dubai a couple nights ago. And they were talking about how they came down to Durban to experience Paolo sharing his story uh, and, and how they learned how to love the LGBT community. So Pretoria has never once talked about, as far as he knew, he liked, liked the LGBT community and loving them well and helping them follow Jesus. And it was Paolo uh, walking them through that, through the training they did with Brad when he came out last year. And so what I want you to see is, is, is Abigail is just a gal who's currently is, you know, living in Chula Vista at that point, um, shares the gospel with this guy in L.A., and it leads to Pretoria learning how to engage the LGBT community with the gospel, wow. which is going to impact that. You, you never know the small act of sharing your story or inviting somebody. You don't know what God's going to do in their life, and then through them, the ripple effects are endless. Um, as a whole church of Pretoria learns how to engage. You see what I'm saying? Through, it just, it, you can't even keep up with it. And so um, your part to play is smaller than you think, but God will accomplish more through it than you could ever ask or imagine. So in this little Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Southern California, the Datchwin family, we see the nations reached. Um, does that make sense? And so right now, Abigail, would you, um, I would love for you to pray um, just for the people here, uh, men and women here who maybe feel like man, the part they have to play in helping people come to know Jesus is, is too small, um, or they put too much pressure on themselves. But either side of that coin, I'd love you to pray into that and pray that you give them eyes to see. I love the eyes, reality, the eyes to see those around them with compassion and move them towards mission. Jesus, we just thank you so much for your faithfulness. We thank you that you are true to your name that you are Emmanuel, you are the God who is always with us, God. I thank you that we can trust that. And in places in our hearts where we don't, Jesus, I ask that your spirit would move, that you would help us trust you and see you as a faithful father, friend, a better savior, a lover of our friends and our families, that you are pursuing them, Jesus. Give us the eyes to see 
that you are moving in and through our lives, that you're moving around us, that you are, just as we sing, that your love is so relentless that there is no wall that you won't tear down, no lie you won't kick down, God. Would you do that work in our hearts first? And as we taste and we see your goodness now here, I ask that for my brothers and sisters. I don't know if there are people that are just going through the motions. Maybe there's apathy. God, would you break that apathy? And would you help us experience you, Jesus? And as we remember the eyes that you saw us with, that you were compassionate, merciful, kind, when we were so undeserving, when we were unaware, and you called us friend, and you welcomed us into this family, Jesus, that that news wouldn't just be news, but it would be part of our story, God. Would you give us a fresh, fresh taste of that story in our lives? And in that, Jesus, would our hearts just be so driven to minister to those around us? I pray, Jesus, right now, that as our eyes are closed, that you would give pictures of names, of faces, that you would give a deep, deep desire and longing in our hearts for them to know you, Jesus. Would you do that, God? And in that stirrup, a courage and a boldness. That, Jesus, would you, as we place our confidence in you, Jesus, would we just be amazed as we stand back and see the ways you're working? That you truly are the hero of every story, not just the stories out there but our stories, that you've invited us into this wonderful story that's still unraveling and we get to be a part of it. What a privilege, God, that from South Bay, Chula Vista, to South Africa, Lord, we get to to be used for your glory, that you partner with us, God. So give us that heart, Jesus. Give us the courage, even now after this practically, that we would that we would call those friends if they're here in this camp, like this camp experience with us, that we would reach out. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, God, for loving us first, pursuing us first. And in that, God, um, we respond.